Welcome to Slow News Day with Kevin Clark. I'm Kevin Clark. Slow News Day debutante Josh Allen. Regular friend. Lindsey Jones. Uh, Let's not waste any more time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Josh Allen. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in football, Madden cover star. What's going on, buddy? Just hanging out, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. Let's start here. Uh, when I talk to people around the league about Madden or college football, depending on on what your deal was when, when you were 14 years old, um, they learn ball from it, frankly. Uh, Matt LaFleur is a good example of somebody who said, I just learned from video games. And I'm curious where you come in on that. Like, how much ball did you learn from Madden when you're just a kid just trying to figure out coverage schemes, defenses, that kind of thing? I mean, yeah, I mean, as a kid, it's, I played it so much that I picked up on those things, right, what the defenses were doing, you know, what cover two and cover three and cover one, what they all meant, but even the rules of the game, right, like just the intricacies of offsides or, you know, illegal, down, uh, illegal downfield pass because I was running, I crossed the line of scrimmage. So just the little things that not many kids knew that when I was playing the game of football, I had a better grasp of, of of what was going on and why things were happening, why holding was called. So I felt like it did give me a step up, you know, in terms of early uh, football life. That's interesting. Um, I heard through the grapevine that you used to control Ken Dorsey, your offensive coordinator. Um, tell me about that and why he was your QB. Yeah, that's that's probably a big question is why. Um, <laughs> he's 38-2 and two as a college quarterback. Let's not forget that. So uh, he was on the 49ers. And I believe the quarterback that they had before, who was the first string, was either Tim Rattay or Sean Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dorsey, he had more speed than them. So I'd always go and substitute Dorsey and put him as the first string guy. So uh, it's just kind of small world, full circle. How Now he's kind of controlling me on the field. That seems like a low bar to clear, brother. Ken Dorsey had the most speed on the depth chart? He, He did. He did. 
Wow. I, I, we can fact check that, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, I just can't believe that's that shows you how much the game has changed, I guess. That shows how much yeah. the game has changed. Um, all right, so let's get into, speaking of, of Ken Dorsey and the, the 2023 Bills, some self-scouting here. You do a great job. We, we've talked a bunch uh, in, in August uh, with, with with our buddy Kevin uh, right nearby uh, about the season going ahead, and you're always good at self-scouting and understanding uh, what you need to improve on. If you're watching Josh Allen in 2022, you saw what? I saw... A guy that was trying to make plays. Um, There's a couple times where my eyes were in the right spot. Understanding my concepts more uh, going forward is is what I'm doing, and we're I think we're doing a great job as a staff in terms of finding the concepts that are working for us and that have worked well in the past for us, and continuing to improve on those, um, and maybe getting away from the stuff that we didn't do well last year. And everything again is going to have statistics and data that backs up um, really our claims there. So just trying to understand that and then just be more efficient, you know, holding on mm-hmm. to the football when I need to and, and, and not taking the hits, um, you know, not forcing balls and, and, you know, turning the ball over. And I think, you know, if you look at basically all the statistics in the league, we're top five in every major category. And then you add in all the turnovers that we had, if you take those back and you allow us to, to utilize those possessions um, who knows, you know, what we're capable on, on offense. So, we understand that um, I got to be more efficient. I got to be better with the football. Um, but again, I think some of the things that we do, some of the off platform things that I do helps those numbers as well. So there's always this little, um, you know, give and take on when you need to be aggressive and when you need to be conservative. When you talk about efficiency and obviously taking care of the ball and all of that stuff, what is the mental part of it? You mentioned the elf platform stuff helps. Like you are one of the best improvisers in the history of modern football. So what's the push and pull as far as, okay, I need to take care of the ball, but I don't want to change as a person and as a player in my, my mentality. What's the push and pull there, Josh? Yeah, I think understanding situational football um, to the best of my ability, you know, if it's a Late game, we need something to happen, allowing myself to kind of flip a switch and be like, all right, you got to you gotta make something happen here. Or if mm-hmm. it's, you know, first possession of the game, it's 0-0 zero, zero game. Our defense has been playing good throughout the year, um, depending on really who's on the other side of the ball. Like, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, just understanding those factors and trying to apply it in real time, which isn't always easy, and it's easier said than done. Um, but having a clear plan with my coaching staff and my head coach in terms of, you know, when do I have the green light? When can I turn it on? Um, and then when when should I be that the conservative guy that's like, you know what, let's not force anything here. If it's a punt, it's a punt. You know, ending every every drive and a kick is is always a positive thing. Um, but there are definitely times where you need to turn that on. And you need to to make a play and you know inspire teammates. You know, it was interesting. You guys kind of got away from the quick game last year. Your average depth of target went up a little bit. Um, you were going deeper. Uh, is there in your head like a, a schematic uh, happy medium that, that you're looking for this year? I mean, I definitely think you can say that. I think uh, the more efficient passes are going to be the ones that are closer to the line of scrimmage um, in, in theory, right? But there's also a lot of plays to be made that are down the field. And because of the guys that we have outside, you talk about Stefan Diggs, who I think is the greatest receiver in the game right now. You have Gabe Davis, who his average depth of reception is, I think, number two in the league behind uh, Jalen Waddle. So guys that, that can go downfield and make plays, Dawson Knox, a vertical threat. So um, you don't want to take that away from the guys that are, that are really good at that. Um, but like you said, the happy medium of finding some of these completions that are like catch mm-hmm. and run and allowing 
guys like on our team now, Khalil Shakur and um, Deontay Hardy and then Dalton Kincaid to, to catch and run and have those opportunities to to make these big plays without having to put too much work into it where they can catch and run and uh, get that rack for us. All right. What's the best you've ever felt on a football field? Like, give me your favorite play, the play that if you get to take one play with you into the afterlife to watch for all eternity, it's this one. So this is my favorite play or like the mm-hmm. play that yeah, your favorite play, your favorite play that you ever run with, 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 you know, with your teammates winning doesn't whatever the circumstances were, you get to bring one play with you to the afterlife to watch over and over again. What is it? I think it's the 98 yard touchdown to Gabe Davis last year against the Steelers into the wind. It's third and 14. Um, Dorsey calls a, a, a big play and, you know, not many people in that situation would call that. So the, the, the the steal the steals that he had uh, to be able to call that play there and allow us to execute it and then Gabe obviously runs a good route and throw it and get hit by uh, Minka Fitzpatrick but I'm laying there in the end zone and I can see on the big screen Gabe running and there's nobody in the catch him so that was a pretty fun one. Well, what's the secret to that play that nobody would understand unless you're within it? As far as scheme, as far as Gabe, as far as Dorsey, like if you're watching this and you're saying you need to know about this, what is it? Yeah, it's an option route. So he didn't have to run a post there. He could have ran a curl. He could have ran an in cut. Um, but based on what the safeties were doing, they doubled him and Diggs outside. So both guys had two guys on him, and he just decided to take the right angle. And um, if you look at the the flags and the the goalposts, they were moving pretty crazy. So uh, <laughs> just kind of – it's almost like a, a golf shot. It's a blind shot sometimes where it's like hit it and hopefully that it's close to the pin. So, um, But I just throw it up there and let, let Gabe Davis run under it. It's – a crazy time to be a quarterback in the AFC right now because not only do you have Patrick and Joe, but now you have Aaron and all that stuff. And I know that this is a topic that gets thrown around ad nauseum, but you guys' expectations when you're almost in Super Bowl contention every single year is the Super Bowl. Um, how have you viewed the 2023 season because of the depth of quarterback in that conference? And it seems to me that obviously you guys have Super Bowl expectations every single year. How do you how do you view your expectations specifically for the Bills in 2023 because of all of this? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the the position at quarterback in the AFC is maybe the uh, the most like there's there's a lot of impactful quarterbacks. There's a lot of great quarterbacks, young and old, in the AFC right now. So these games are going to be dogfights, and it's not about how much you win them by; it's it's if you win them. So that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to score one more point than our opponent. You know, as a quarterback, I'm not really looking at who's on the other side of the football. Um, I don't play them. I play their defense and their defensive coordinator. So um, but there is there is certain things that will influence, you know, play calling and decision making based on who is over there. So, right. If I mean, we don't want to give the ball back to them. We don't want to give those guys short fields. Um, but every every game is going to be a dogfight. And we got to go with, go into those games with that mentality of just, you know, let's score one more point than the uh, the opposing team. You looking forward to having Aaron Rodgers in the division? I am. I am. I, I've I've gotten to know Aaron um, over the last couple of years, and I consider us, uh, you know, fairly close. And um, I don't say we text on the regular, but I, I FaceTime him. I don't really call him all that much. I FaceTime. He usually answers, um, which is a big plus. I know he doesn't answer a lot of people. Wait, that's so. the, but that's the big thing is that he said the Packers weren't FaceTiming him. So Josh Allen figured this out. You just FaceTime Aaron Rodgers. Just gotta FaceTime him. That's it. He'll answer. No, but I, but I, I mean, I mean, I've been such a fan of him, you know, as a little kid, you know, having Aaron Rodgers jerseys and trying to emulate what he does on the football field. And, you know, he's, he's such a special player. I think he's the most gifted thrower of the football of all time. And um, to now be going against him twice a year and um, you know, it's going to be battle. 
quick one for you. Uh, best defense that you faced in your career? That's a tough question. Um, well, my first start was against the, I think at the time, was the San Diego Chargers, who were mm. pretty nails. They they had, obviously, Bosa, who's who's an animal. Mm. They had Derwin James. They had Melvin Ingram coming off the edge. Um, they were They were pretty good. Uh, F1 for F1 newbie. I'm not one. I have podcasts. I saw you at the Miami race last year. Uh, what is your favorite thing about F1? My favorite thing about, well, what was Danny Ricardo? I know he's on. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, you never know. He may, he might be back in the mix. I, I'm, I'm hoping so. It's, it's just not the same without him. I, I will say that, but I think that there's so, so many details that go into place. And I think that it's kind of a, I'd say it's a microcosm of football where, you know, you don't really win the race on, on race day. You win it in qualifying and in practice. So it's, it's the preparation that allows you to have that success on, on game day, on race day, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that that can message can be easily applied to the game of football as well. Yeah. Josh Allen, you're the Madden cover star. Anything else we need to know about Madden? Um, it's my favorite cover of all time. <laughs> not as not as not much of a surprise mine too josh allen thanks for coming so much on Tuesday, buddy awesome. thank you so much this episode is brought to you by viore i love sports i know you do too i also know that lots of you exercise but if you're like me and my wife the the beloved sports gal you're sick and tired of ugly uncomfortable workout gear especially you know i do a lot of walking i walk around la i make calls i listen to podcasts here are two words that will change everything viore clothing a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, Lindsay Jones is here. It's been a while. She went to Sweden. She went on vacation within America. Have you done work in the past month or even given any thought to doing any work? Are my bosses listening to this uh, to this call? Uh, no, um, no not, I have. Um, uh, I have not. But uh, other than, you know, the time in Sweden was work. I was learning about uh, our company that we work for and meeting with a lot of our colleagues. But no, largely other than that, I've been completely uh, logged off. I was uh, 
at a dude ranch for a week learning how to be a cowboy. It was fantastic. Like a city slicker situation? Are you familiar with city slickers? I, I am. I yeah. am even older than you are, Kevin. But yes, That's I correct. am. So, so yeah, kind of kind of similar. But yeah, it was fantastic. Completely unplugged, riding horses. Wow. Uh, my kid got to be in a rodeo. It was got it was great. It's beautiful. Highest, uh, five stars. I'm so Highest happy. Highest What a relaxation. It was fantastic. I'm just sitting in here in North New York City raising my child, and I would love to be on a dude ranch. It'd be great. So it yeah, I just right asked on. you what happened in the NFL in the last month. Uh, oh, you know. What did, I, what you did can, I miss? Unfortunately, we're both pathetically overprepared for anything we do. Yeah. Um, and so we can't, unfortunately, can't mail it in. Um, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Had a guest, obviously, a little before this. What we're going to do is we like to rank things here at The Ringer. Um, the NFL likes to rank things. Content machine likes to rank things. We're going to do, I don't think I've ever seen this before. I don't think we've ever done it before anywhere on our platforms. Just want to rank top five franchises. Like that's it. Everything. Bake it all in. And there were so many ways I wanted to look at this because at the beginning, I realized I was just ranking owners, which is not what this is and shouldn't be. And also so many owners are bailed out by a coach. So many owners are, so many coaches are bailed out by a quarterback. So many coaches are bailed out by a GM and owners bailed out by a GM. A quarterback is bailed out by a GM in some cases or a coach. Um, that it all works together. And that's why I found this exercise, frankly, so fascinating. And there are teams that, you know, going through great example, going through like most wins over the past decade, five years, 15 years, like the New Orleans Saints are all over that list. But nobody sits around, and they also, by the way, spend so much cash. And, and Nick Underhill was on this show a couple of years ago and said that they, they do what's called mafia accounting on the salary cap because they spend so much with the cash. So, like, I don't think if you stop somebody on the street and said, are the Saints one of the best organizations in football, people would say, yes, definitely. But they're in the mix. They're in the mix. And that's why I thought this was so cool. Um, how did you approach this, pal? Yeah, I would say some of my rankings are kind of uh, fluid, I would say. But, I've you know, I feel like the, the criteria – um, are winning both historical and recent. I think a lot of times when you see these type of rankings where it's, um, you know, looking at trying to come up with formulas to, to rank organizations, a lot of times it's like overall winning percentage, um, or total Super Bowls, which is important. Right. But I also don't think when we're talking about here, June of 2023 necessarily equates to like the best franchises right now. So I wanted to kind of combine, you know, winning from a historical level, but also, you know, past decade, uh, 10, 15 years. Um, I also looked at stability in ownership, coaching, front office, quarterback to some extent, because I think the teams that have a lot of turnover at any and or multiple of those positions, as much as they might want to consider themselves a good organization, generally, if you have turnover at those places, you're not. So those were really the, the things that I looked at. Um, in terms of, you know, the overall best franchises. I, I'm curious. I think, I feel like we'll have some of the same. I think so too, but I also think there. that I, I have two qu- questions about our criteria. Number one, you and I have been in a lot of NFL facilities, every NFL facility, if not mistaken. How much should vibes play into it? Like, I, I know, I know, I don't yeah. mean vibes yeah. based. I just mean like we're in a facility, you're meeting secretaries and you're meeting chiefs of staff for the GM and the owner and the owner's guy and all of this stuff. And it's like, I feel like there's, there's two separate lists almost where it's like, when you're in a building, you feel a culture different than if you're just watching on Sunday. Did that play into it at all? I mean, you think about, yeah, a little bit. 
I, I think so. I mean, I think there's some teams that I just probably wouldn't consider because generally the vibes are bad and like people don't, they don't <laughs> seem happy a, to well, work for that. Sometimes you just go to a training camp and just like, no one is into this. No one, like the coach isn't into it. The owner's not into it. Nobody's into it. Yeah. I always think it's interesting too, you know, when we're talking about organizations from top to bottom and over the last few years, not this year, now that I'm at the ringer, but I spent a lot of time working on like a 40 under 40 list. Um, at my previous job. And so you talk to a lot of people like behind the scenes that are working for, you know, in community relations and social media and all of those places. And you can kind of feel like a culture, like behind the scenes that sometimes doesn't really mesh with what's going on on the field or in the front office. I think they're not on my list, so I'm not going to, but the chargers are example of that where they're not a team that I have ranked here, but like, there's a lot of people who like, like working for the chargers it's weird. It's like where they're, they're doing some fun, but I would never, they're not on the my Los list. Angeles I don't Chargers? think they're exactly. Yes. Those, those chargers, but they're probably not even on like the top 15 of my list because when I talk about winning stability, those and type infrastructure, of things, owner, not having, ownership and, and not firing a doctor for like a decade after well, he made fair. mistake after mistake who replaced a previous fair. bad doctor. But like, they're a place where a lot of times the vibes are good from like they moved on the from employee doctor, the level. Yeah. yeah, eventually they finally did. He hasn't poked anybody in the heart in a while. It's fine. I, I'd actually Allegedly. throw in the Chargers in the Chargers genre. I'd actually throw out, and this is different because this is, is flows from ownership. Throw out the Falcons. Like everybody loves working for Arthur Blank. He yeah. spends. Yep. He uh, if, if cash, he's not afraid to splash it. Like, but kind of same thing you're talking about. And I know I, Arthur Blank is a way better owner than the Spanos. So that's that's the difference yes. here. But I think that same thing you're talking about, you just look at the resume and it's like, okay, well, he didn't win, which is 80% of this of this list. All right, let's yeah. get to your number five. Um, all right, I'm going to put the San Francisco 49ers. Are they on your list? You're they're kind not. of making a face at they're me. Not they're not. Only not on because, wait, 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 they're on my next cut. They're on my first okay. cut. Well, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit so that we're not like entirely in sync here. So um, I've got the 49ers at five. Um, because I think they fit into a lot of these buckets that I'm talking about in terms of, um, winning long-term, you know, they are one of the most successful overall franchises in terms of just times that they are playing for championships, all of the Super Bowls that they won during the Joe Montana and, uh, um, Steve Young era, they're constantly competing for championships now under in the Kyle Shanahan regime. Obviously they haven't gotten one. I think there've been a lot of reasons for that. Um, but then when we talk about stability and, you know, in ownership in recent years, I mean, it has stayed within the same family. I think Jed York is kind of carving out an interesting niche for himself within NFL ownership. He's one of the youngest primary owners in the NFL. He's done some things differently than, uh, his predecessors in San Francisco, but also isn't afraid to kind of, you know, zig when the rest of the league is zagging a little bit. I think he has some stability and confidence to do things there. And, you know, otherwise a lot of stability at coaching too. I mean, they have, you know, a a pretty secure setup there now with Kyle Shanahan. So I just, and it's another place where I think it's well run. I think they do, they're, they're a league leader in a lot of non-football things that they do in terms of, you know, social programs, community programs. Um, I think people enjoy working there, playing there, that sort of stuff. So they were, they were kind of my right on the bubble, but I'm, I'm putting them there at five. Reason they're a cut for me. And I'd have, if we did a top 10, they'd be on my list. All the other ones, when we're doing five, you have to be pretty up there to, to get on the list. And for me, 
Kyle Shanahan was one of the best hires of the past decade. Um, put Sean McVay on that list. It's a short list. Andy Reid, obviously, Chiefs are on my list. Um, that was that was the hire. Um, but great hire. Before that, and we're going back. It, it, this is completely made up criteria. But I was looking at most wins over twenty years, fifteen years, ten years, five years, right? And you think about the Harbaugh mess, which, uh, by the way, Harbaugh, great hire. But then that flows into Tom Sula, which flows into Chip Kelly, which flows into Kyle yeah. Shanahan, which stabilizes it. And so you can ding them a little bit for being in the wilderness for a few years. If you're just talking about just best, best franchises right now, very, very few franchises I'd rather be that I'd rather work for. Um, the John Lynch hire was inspired from TV. Uh, Kyle Shanahan can make any quarterback into something. I'm just saying if you're, if we're ranking infrastructure, the other teams on my list that made the list haven't had the misses, the big misses um that i mean even for about mike singletary i mean there have been some big misses in san francisco which makes them not a bad franchise they're a great franchise they're just not a top five franchise i think that and i think that's all totally fair uh all right, right. Who you got at number five this the kansas city chiefs most wins over the past five years 10 more than anybody else and what i think is fascinating Lindsay, is i was talking to somebody recently maybe in the last year about the chiefs and I was I was kind of making fun of an organization, someone with the Chiefs. I was making fun of a different organization, and and they stopped me and they kind of said, as I'm wont to do, and and uh, they stopped me and they're like, you know, we were a pretty average franchise before Patrick. If you just look at it, before Andy, before Patrick, before, um, I would say before Andy. Sure, but yes, but they still, but they they didn't, they weren't a Super Bowl contender, even when Alex Smith was. You know, he turned Alex Smith in the best deep passer in the league for one season, literally by statistics, but pretty average playoff team, not much more Then Patrick happens and you a transform your franchise because of B, you let Patrick transform your franchise. You spend money, you get more aggressive in first round picks. You obviously spend $500 million to keep Patrick and keep him happy. And they'll probably have to adjust that contract as it goes forward. Keep Travis Kelsey. Um, the kind of combination of Brett Veach and his vision, Andy Reid, Brant Tillis on the, on the cap. Like there's something there where they just problem solve. And that's all you want in an organization. That's all you want in an organization. And so um, I, I do think that Part of this is just the the luck, frankly, and if it's not the first overall pick, it is luck um, of drafting Patrick Mahomes. And but you figure out what to do next. That's why I've always my big line on this is nobody ever wins a Super Bowl because they drafted a franchise quarterback. That's the that's the starting point for a lot of things. It's be, what they figure out what to do next, which is determine whether or not you're a good franchise or a great franchise. Look at the Chargers. Look at your Los Angeles Chargers. They've got Justin Herbert and they've been able to do much with it. Um, the Chiefs have taken a quarterback. And made him the cornerstone of a franchise. And I don't think you can uh, overstate how important that's been. Yeah, I have them on my list too. Um, I was going to put them at four. Um, so right in that kind of same same range. I mean, I, and I think there's a lot to be said about, look, I mean, the ch- I think whoever it was that you were talking to about the Chiefs, about kind of where they were pre-Andy was maybe even underselling kind of what a mess it was there for a while. Um, 2012 was like the lowest point that almost any franchise has ever been at Mm -hmm. for an organization. Um, everything that went on with that kind of era, that the rock bottom, that, 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 that franchise hit in 2012, the amount of losing everything that happened off field, um, was really, really awful. The Joe Von Belcher 
Mm-hmm. Situ- I mean, was was so incredibly tragic. Um, and the way that they were able to kind of emerge from that completely turned their franchise around. I think they deserve, you know, a ton of credit for that. And, you know, and part of that was, you know, actually the big part of that, the biggest part of that was Andy Reid became available mm-hmm. and they weren't going to leave without Andy Reid. Andy Reid would have had, he had other options. And Arizona, they kind of knew. Remember that? I do. Yeah. You were in the and they were uh, for a while. They knew what they wanted. They knew what they needed. And Andy Reid was exactly the right guy. And then you pair the right coach with the right quarterback. And all of a sudden you're set up for decades, potentially of success. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're kind of on that trajectory now. So they're also a place that you go there and people are happy. I mean, vibes are pretty good, but vibes are really good when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and you're winning as many games as they are. But, um, it's a cool place to be. It's, it's a really unique setup that they have there just in terms of the size of the market and the, you know, just how successful they are, how big Kansas city, you know, how big the chiefs are to Kansas city to the entire kind of region of Missouri. They're the only team now in the state of Missouri. Um, I live in Denver where people should in theory hate the chiefs and you walk around and you see people in Mahomes jerseys. It's like, it's pretty funny. Um, now, I mean, you just have to have just a ton of respect for the way that they've built that. So, um, I also have them on my list. They were my number four. So do you want to move on to your number four? No, I real quick is after Belichick leaving on a net with a napkin from NYJ to new England is Andy Reid's hire the second or since Belichick, the most important thing that's happened in football. I mean, I guess when you put it that, I mean, Without the Mahomes part of it, I don't know. But I don't know if you can that, separate you, those things out. That's a chicken and out. egg thing, right? That's a chicken and egg yeah. thing. Like Andy Reid not only took the chance, not chance, it's a first round pick, but he built something around Mahomes. He gave them the best schemes in football. And that was, I mean, that was, it was written in football heaven that this would happen. Like that was an amazing pairing of those guys. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I think that Andy starts, starts the runaway train, frankly. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's, um, you know, the fact that he's coached for his entire career, like he's a contemporary of Bill Belichick, the guy who gets all the credit for being arguably, you know, the best coach of all time. You know, he probably doesn't get quite as much credit, but the way that he has updated his offense and evolved as a coach through so many years, through his time in Philadelphia, through the different quarterbacks that he had there, coaching Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and, uh, you know, all the way through Alex Smith and now to Patrick Mahomes, like in the way that they keep changing. I mean, it's just so exciting for football. And I was actually having a conversation on a horseback ride at the dude ranch last week. Um, believe it was, so you got to talk, you get to talk about like football. You get to talk about anything, but a lot of the, you know, the, the Wranglers are all like college students and a lot of them are in the sec and, you know, watch a lot of football. So we start talking about football and somebody asked me, well, like, who's your favorite team to watch? Just if you could just sit down and watch like any team, who are you going to watch? And I thought about it for, you know, 30 seconds or something. And I said, the chiefs. Um, and it's not just because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It was because all of the stuff that he and Andy Reid do together. So, you know, I know we're talking overall organizations and stuff, but they have two kind of a plus people in the most forward facing spots in that organization. And I don't know, there, there isn't really anybody else in the league that's set up the way that they are with that. My number four is the Baltimore Ravens. So this is, this might be controversial in the sense that the Chiefs keep winning Super Bowls and the Ravens don't. But 
Ozzie Newsom to Eric DaCosta is exactly what you want from a succession plan. Letting John Harbaugh, and I'm going to get to this on some of my other stuff here later, but like the when things were going rough with John Harbaugh, they just kind of block it out. They don't stoke the flames. They don't leak that that they don't leak crazy stories. They don't do the now they tell a story where they just call up the local beat writer and just just slander him and and hurt his leverage and contract negotiations or like some teams. I don't know, but everything just seems to be running on the right track. Um, they they draft Lamar Jackson. They change everything about their offense and. Then it stops working and they fire their offense coordinator after giving Greg Roman, Roman ample time to fix it. Um, they get the quarterback under contract. That wasn't they did. They didn't cover themselves in glory in during that. But but every all is well that ends well. Um, there was just there's just so many decisions that they've made that have led to winning over the past 20 years. Um, and, you know, they've they have two, two Super Bowls in that time period. I 22 years. They have two Super Bowls in that time period like this. This is just how you how you run a team. I, I think that's right. They were in my like very first first tier of cuts. Um and now I'm like playing with my rankings. Wow. <laughs> I'm in, in your head. In time. I know you are you are in my head, but um I think it was interesting the way you brought up about kind of just like where they do their business behind the scenes. Um I thought the Lamar Jackson situation was just it was very telling just in terms of the way that it played out, the confidence that they seemed to have all along that he was going to be their quarterback. And I'm, I'm thinking back to the owners meetings in March, um, that neither of us were at, which is weird that because you and I have spent a lot of time together at owners meetings over the years, but watching that John Harbaugh press conference or the, you know, the breakfast where they sit around the table. And it was basically the same time that Lamar Jackson had like put out his like goodbye letter to Baltimore saying like he'd requested a trade and he wanted out. And there was just a ton of panic and Harbaugh's like, it's fine we're good. And that's the sign of a confident coach and a confident organization that just kind of knows that they're going to be able to get this done. Uh, the owner's meeting breakfast is always at 8am. And one of them is always after the Monday night, which is when there's a cocktail party that extends into the early mornings. And in my younger years, be careful here. I didn't make a lot of owner's breakfasts. Your previous bosses are going to be very disappointed in you. At this didn't point. make a lot of own, didn't make a lot of coaches breakfast because my viewpoint was let's just plow through on the sourcing the night before and everybody's at the hotel bar and uh, that they're more, let's say, open to communicating different things in the at the hotel bar at 1am than they are at the owner's breakfast a couple hours later. Um, I'd also I've, say I've seen coaches miss the yes, coaches breakfast. That's what I'm I was not going to drop any names. <laughs> I would also say that I've seen coaches very late uh, at the hotel bar. And then the next day, some, some poor beat writers like, Oh, my coach didn't show. And I'd say, you know, I think I might know why that happened. Or the poor PR guy who has to be like, yeah, he came down he's with sick. a little stomach bug. Yep. He's got a little stomach bug. Like, I'm he's, sure he uh, is. We're going to yeah. get you with him later. We're going to get you with him. He's going to yep, be by yep. the, the couch over there. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's move on from uh, from NFL boozing rumors. Um, that's a different that's a different rankings that for later. Ranking. Deeper into the offseason. Uh, who is your number three? Um, all right. At number three, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who are they on your list? I'm wondering if they're on your list or if they, they were on your list. first. You're reading your a lot into my face. I really am. I really am because you're making the you're judging me. I think a lot you're with your nervous about. I think you're <laughs> changing your list on the fly. This is unbelievable. A little bit, yeah. And I um I was just I was having a hard time exactly where to where to put them because of the 
it's been a minute since they've actually won a Super Bowl um, or been in even an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, but I, I'm going to have them here at three, just because when we're talking about so, what some of those categories, the criteria that I was looking at here, right? Uh, recent wins, historic wins, um, kind of uh, stability at all of these places, ownership, coaching, front office, and then quarterback. Obviously, there's been turn- turnover at quarterback recently. I think we still have some questions about the long-term quarterback plan if Kenny Pickett is going to be that guy. But when you look at organizations who just tend to do everything right, who are the organizations that other teams look to about how they want to hire, how they want to um, have a coach build out his entire staff, what they want for from their front office in terms of um, stability there. You talked about it with uh, the Ozzie Newsom to Eric DaCosta. They're kind of working on that now in Pittsburgh, where Kevin Colbert retired last year. They did this massive, you know, really, really wide search, ended up with Omar Khan, who had been in the organization for for a really long time. This is a place who knows who they are. They know how they operate. They know what their values are. They get people in there in the building and they do not leave because they treat their people well. They don't want to leave. They're not actively out looking for other jobs generally. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like it's people are happy there. It's like a good it's just a good place to be. And when we talk about like model franchises in the NFL, there's a bunch of teams who think they are model franchises in the NFL and the Steelers, they are. A lot of owners try to pick the Rooney's brains and it's really hard to be the Rooney's because they promote from within and they know, you said they have an identity and they stick with it. They don't hire a lot of people. They have, I think, fairly small staff in relation to everybody mm-hmm. else. And I think that they see that as an advantage. Um, they certainly, and the NFL team has the, the capability to spend more money on staff. And I think that they like to keep it pretty casual. And you mentioned Omar Khan. I, I completely agree um, that kind of promoting from within is an extension of that identity. And I also say that like, if you were to ding them on anything, it's maybe some of the assistant coach hires they've had offensive coordinators who hold on too long um, some stubbornness within the coaching ranks, but they just, A, they win all the time. Um, they Their draft picks always exceed expectations. They have great player development. Like, they have what you want, um, and they don't overthink things. Everything is just so... You want to talk about vibes. Go into their training camps in Latrobe. It's just everything is fine. Like, they don't treat things like it's the end of the world. They're like, you know, they don't have secret service guys ready to tackle you if you if you steal a state secret. They're eating in the, in the cafeteria um, with everybody else. Like, it just feels like football did 40 years ago. And I was on Mina's podcast a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about Mike Tomlin. I was talking about just his general vibe and how he just loves coaching and he loves actually the finer points of hand placement, and all that stuff. And, and, and the thing I said then, which I think is probably true of the organization. I mean, not probably true. It is true of the organization, which is Mike Tom will be a good coach in 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, 2020. And the Steelers are the exact same because they've, by the way, done that. The Roonies have produced a winner all of the time. They've had three coaches since the sixties and the Browns, you know, I think part of it is, okay. If, if Jimmy Haslam wanted to become the Rooney's tomorrow, he wouldn't know where to start. He's hired bad people all the time. He's probably still got some bad people in the organization who are just left over from a previous regime, whatever. Like, Part of it is it builds on itself. You hit on one or two hires. We're talking about the Andy Reid thing. You hit on one or two hires and it becomes a snowball rolling downhill. What's Chuck Pagani say? Rolling ball, butcher knives, right? Like that's 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 what what happens when you're a good organization. Is things just start good things start happening to you. They hire the next person. You trust your people. Okay, then we're there. Um, it's very hard to get to. 
the Steelers are A, there, and B, don't screw it up. They do not screw it up. They're number two on my list. Okay. I was going back and forth between three and two, and ultimately I bumped them to three just because of recent, recent-ish, last decade Super Bowl championships. Um, so who's your number three then? The New England Patriots. 736 is their winning percentage in the last 20 years. 736. Uh, they win a hell of a lot of games. Now, I'm going to ding them because we're making this in 2023. They've gone downhill. Uh, Robert Kraft is angry. Joe Judge was our offensive coordinator last year with some sort of Matt Patricia influence. Um, they ran the, the classic Judge Patricia offense last year. Um, it seemed to have a huge impact on their young quarterback, which I think how you treat your young players is usually indicative. I mentioned the Steelers player development, indicative of how you uh, function as an organization. Do you make players better once they get in the building? And the answer normally is yes in New England. And it wasn't for Mac Jones last year in the second year. Um, I think you can, they, they solved the problem after one year, all that stuff, but putting him in that position was real bad. Um, they don't have Tom. Remember, remember we're not doing ownership here. Having not having Tom Brady matters. Um, the relationship at the end and reading all of those books, whether it's Seth Wickersham's book or Jeff Benedict's book or whatever, the, the Brady stuff, it felt like it could have been patched up a little better in, in the latter days. And, and maybe we avoid the couple of Tampa years. I don't know. Um, I wasn't there, but, it, but reading the tea leaves, it felt like there could have been a charm offensive five, six years earlier that, that would have prevented some of that stuff. Um, but Bill Belichick is still the best to ever do it they still are going to win a lot. Like that's the thing I think that that is important about this conversation. It's like the Patriots still win. They just don't win like they used to. And so right now, if I'm drafting franchises to take over, if someone says, here's here, you get a franchise, which one are you taking over to run? Um, the Patriots would be three for me. Yeah. So I had them at two. And as you could see, as I was tinkering with my list in, in, uh, in real time here, um, I was going back and forth between these two teams with Pittsburgh and, and New England. And ultimately it was like championships is, is where I felt was where I came down there. Um, this is, this is one where I kind of give, and this is not about the Roonies at all. This is not a slight to the Roonies at all. Um, because I think this is a very clear to me, like top tier of NFL franchises. Um, Robert Kraft, I think kind of, it, this is where he gets like a little bit of a, of a, a bonus right here. I think just in terms of like his input in the league and the business dealings of the league and the, uh, the influence that the Patriots have league wide on what gets done policies that are happening. Um, I think makes them a, you know, a pretty important organization. I'm curious about the vibes. How do you feel about the vibes with new England? I'm kind uh, of now second guessing. My, well, my, I wouldn't my know rankings, because, uh, we never get to do the things we get to do in other facilities, like walk around the hallways, True. meet True. people, meet people. We're not supposed to meet have conversations in the hallway, that sort of thing. Um, so it's a little bit different. I think reading some of, I, I do certainly know people in New England. It's a different environment. And reading, you know, I think Seth Wickersham's done a good job as anybody with kind of revealing the office workplace culture there. And it's always funny because what was the line? I think it was that that uh, whenever something ha is happening in New England, he just gives his assistants, Belichick just gives his assistants busy work so they can't gossip. Like, it's a little different than it is. Yeah, it's in, a different place. In Atlanta and in Miami. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think it was Lane Johnson who said they don't have any fun there. Uh, I disagree with that. I think that winning Super Bowls is generally fun. Um, but when you can't provide that, 
things, maybe people start to get more upset. Um, and so we'll see if they actually, if the bottom actually ever does fall out, we'll see if anybody starts to poke holes in that culture. But I don't, I think, I don't think it's a bad vibe. I just think it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. Um, I'm going to be very curious moving forward. What kind of the long-term succession plan is there? And that's not something that I think Bill Belichick is ever going to reveal to us or Bob Kraft is really going to ever reveal to us. Um, but you know, Kraft is one of kind of the older owners. I mean, I think, yeah. I think his family is well set up with his Jonathan, right? Jonathan Kraft yep. would probably be the next, you know, they're, they're pretty, I think the top is well organized, but what's going to happen when we talk about coach, when your coach is everything else in the organization Yeah. in terms of personnel, coaching, everything, where do they go when Bill ultimately decides that he's going to be done? I talked to Jonathan Kraft right when I got on the NFL beat 2012, right around the time the Cardinals almost hired Andy Reid. All sorts of crazy stuff happened. And I said, what's your role? Like, what is the, what is the Kraft's family's role in football operations? I think this is a great guidepost to how owners should, should function within the GM coach setup. He said he doesn't want to make any decisions. He wants to make sure... I mean, I'm sure he does make some decisions and he has been involved more, you know, on the Brady contract and stuff like that. Um, the ownership gets more involved. But he said he feels like his, Jonathan, feels like his job is to make sure every question and every angle has been considered. And then once it has, he just leaves it up to his guys. And I think that was an interesting way to put it because he just comes in and says, hey, have we thought about this? Have we thought about that? And as long as the answer is yes, he doesn't, he's going to let Bill do his thing. Um, I don't know if anything's changed in the last decade, but that was the way it is. And I think that's kind of the, the model for how a good ownership should be, which is let's make sure that Every, the process is correct and all of this stuff, but otherwise we're going to let our guys determine what needs to be determined, which I think is, uh, I think is probably what more owners should be doing. So new ownership syndrome is real and you get into a situation where you make $7 million, $7 billion, $8 billion, $30 million, $3 billion doesn't matter. Um, it's so inconceivable to me that somebody has $30 billion. I keep saying million dollars and that's also inconceivable to me. Um, depending on how my next contract goes. Um, but, I, I, you go to one fifteen, and you become the butt of the joke. And you've been the most powerful person in the war, in the room, in the world, in some cases. And nobody cares when you get in that building, and you become a joke. And when you get in those owners' meetings, and there's thirty two of those folks, they've all got eight billion dollars. And guess what? You're behind the Roonies and the Maras because you don't win enough. And that I think is a shock to the system, and you go crazy. And so the idea of having stability, not reaching um, when you buy a team like that, it's a skill to be a good owner and the crafts have it. And I think it's the, the NFL is at a really interesting point when we're talking about ownership right now, where there wasn't change in ownership groups for a long time. I mean, you get one here and there. I mean, obviously the bills sale, um, which was what? not quite 10 years ago. Um, but now we're in this point where there have been a lot of organizations that have gone through ownership changes recently. And we're getting these new, extremely rich, like rich on a different level of rich ownership, largely because of the NFL's ownership rules that you have to be at a whole different tier to even be eligible to purchase an NFL team. And, you know, now you know, David Tepper has had a, it's been a rough go for David Tepper since he came into Carolina. Um, I had some conversations with people in the like later in the fall of last season about kind of the uh, wake up call that it was for um, the Walton family when they mm -hmm. purchased the Broncos. Um, 
and just the Walton Penner group and just like, wow, this is different than anything else that we've done before. And, you know, they're throwing a ton of money at things, but it was just kind of like, oh, wow, running a sports organization is completely different than anything. And now we're about to have the, you know, the Washington Commanders with another really rich group coming in who, although Josh Harris to his credit, like he's run professional sports organizations before, but it's just going to be a really interesting dynamic. I think in the league now where there's a lot of new people who are going to be in these meetings and in these rooms, different tier of wealth, some different backgrounds, maybe not lifelong sports ownership in their family, like some of these other organizations. So I think it'll be interesting just to watch over the next five years, what that means for league politics. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on one thing that is a very common trope. And I've said it a million times because I used to believe this in ownership circles, which is that running a sports franchise is different and because it is, it is, but it shouldn't be than running a business. Because if you're a good CEO, you're a good founder, whatever you want to call it now, you put people in place and you let them do their job. How is it different than anything else? Like if you have a $30 billion company, it's too big to micromanage everything, even if you tried. And so you put your people in place and you let them do your job, their job. And that's the way football teams should work. And the problem is... When you get to ownership, you hear so much that it's so different. It's a different can of worms. Oh boy, you wait for this. And the actual solution, I think, is being like, no, 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 no. I got this. I'm just going to hire good people and just set set the set the watch and just let it go. Yeah. Well, a lot of them just don't hire good people. Let me <laughs> let me which be. We should, which we I would like to be. I think I could very easily. I don't think I can. I don't think I have the gene to get there, but I do think I could manage and and consolidate power a la a Jack Easterby. Like, I think I'd be pretty good at that because I think I I can give them enough guidance to where they would keep me around and I could just keep building on it. I just don't think I'm like, I don't really have that, that propeller that would get me to the top ranks in like in a billionaire's ear. Does that make sense? You'd Once end up there, getting kicked out at some point. Or just not go. I just like, would not go in the <laughs> office. Three. Like, do you know how present you'd have to be to be Jack Easterby? <laughs> yeah. Say what you will about Jack Easterby, but he was in the mix. He was in the mix. I don't have that kind of thing. I'm Wait. an extremely hard worker, but not I, at I did that. not think we would have any Texans mentions on a discussion about the best organizations in football. So this was uh, this was the wild card that I was waiting for. Um, all right. It sounds the bottom like, organizations will be another another podcast. It sounds like we have the first the, the same number one. The Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. So I mean, I think I, 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 you were going to go somebody completely random, and I that'd was, be I was amazing. That, um, real quick, before we get into the Jaguars, we get in, before we get into the Eagles. Can you just do your your first cuts? So my first cuts were a couple teams that we already talked about: Baltimore um, and then Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers yep. were there. Um, and then I think a team that's been rising that is kind of in that next year for me is Buffalo. Me too. Uh, I had the Niners there. Uh, Rams. Yeah. Were in the mix for me. They were a cut, yep. but they were in the mix for me. And then I'm just going to throw this out there. You want to talk about stability. You want to talk about winning. You want to talk about making all the right hires. Seattle Seahawks are in that mix. Yep. And then the other yep. one I'd like to throw out as far as, I know this sounds a little weird. This is actually more of a vibes pick. Um, as far as they spend money, they have good facilities, they have good people in place. They do win at a above average clip. Minnesota Vikings. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. 
I don't think that used to be true, but it is true now. Yeah, I think all of those are fair. And I think um, the Rams are interesting, I think, is from like an ownership ownership perspective. Um, maybe I just have to sh- shout out the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I just want to talk about the Stan Denver Kroenke Nuggets. Stan keeps winning championships, even it's, though everybody complains about him. Everybody complains about him. Uh, he comes on television to like accept a trophy and people are like, oh, it's Stan, it's Stan you know. And he doesn't um, know how to work a microphone. You can, you cannot watch Denver Nuggets games if you live in Denver, unless if you have Comcast. But like their teams just keep on winning. They win indoor lacrosse league championships. They were or in the hockey. mix for an EPL. They want, obviously they won a Stanley Cup last year. Um, they were in the mix. Arsenal was like in the mix. I never, as a Tottenham Hotspur fan, I knew they were not in the mix. They looked mathematically in the mix, but vibes-wise, they were not in the mix. Um, But yeah, shout out Jokic, the real MVP. Um, I would say, going back to what I just said a minute ago, it's possible that Stan Kroenke, old silent Stan, as they call him over in London, uh, does exactly what we're proposing, which is hire people like Kevin Demoff and Sean McVay and... Less need and say, hey guys, looks like you've got this. Uh, I'll see you later. I think, yeah, I think there's a bit of that. And they also, they're an organization too that this doesn't apply to football quite as much. But when you're talking about kind of like family ownership structure, there's some pretty clear, like, this is what Josh Kroenke is going to do. He's much more involved with the Avalanche and the Nuggets than Stan is, um, but is now going to be, at some point, he'll probably be doing more on the football side. But uh, yeah, they just keep winning. Lots, lots and lots of trophies. The one thing I have heard is that whenever Stan is in the Rams facility, which is not that often, if I'm not mistaken, he has a huge ass dog and the dog has a huge ass bowl in the facility, like a huge ass bowl. I mean, as a huge ass dog should, I'm not going to give him a little ass bowl. Um, I honestly don't <laughs> know how you calibrate dog uh, bowl sizes. This seemed like. Maybe a little much, but then again, again, I don't know how big the dog is, you know. So, I'm I'm an unreliable narrator here. All right, let's talk right, about. So the should Eagles. we talk about the Eagles? <laughs> let's talk about the Eagles. Um, it reminds me a bit to go to the college game of LSU, where if you take the job, you're you're expected to win a Super Bowl, and you might pretty quickly. Um, and it's funny because only obviously only Doug Peterson did, but. Andy Reid made, and it's a title game, my friend, it's a title game. Um, Nick Sirianni was a quarter away from winning the Super Bowl this year and had a, basically a, a free pass to the Super Bowl. The roster's awesome. They have not only coach success after coach success, but in general, with the exception of a few misses just because of sort of the calendar injuries, quarterback success after quarterback success. Um, the Jalen Hurts pick was destroyed at the time. Howie Roseman, I think, is the best general manager in football. They get value out of everything. The things they did contract-wise have been ripped off by everybody. They sign guys as soon as they possibly can. And sometimes I would say, ooh, they signed Carson Wentz. First of all, Carson Wentz was playing an MVP level. Second of all, guess what happened? They were able to spin off the Carson Wentz deal very quickly and make a Super Bowl almost, be on the Super Bowl path almost instantaneously after a little bit of a retool. Um, it is embarrassing that they had the the tanking thing that Jason Kelsey had to go off on a couple of years ago. That was a low low light, but kind of everybody has those sort of those sort of misses over over a long haul. So I don't know what else you could ask for. I mean, more Super Bowls, surely. But if you're talking about 2023, they've got as good a chance as anybody in, in an NFC that is weak as hell. Like, this is what you want your franchise to be. Every 
with very few exceptions, every team, every team's fan base should be jealous of what the Eagles have on a year to year basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you mentioned some of those missteps and those are the type of mistakes that would have doomed a lot of franchises for a decade. And the Eagles, they were just a speed bump. Um, Smart organizations recognize when they've made a mistake and are able to move forward from it pretty quickly. Um, You know, and whether that's taking a big cap hit for the Carson Wentz deal, but you got out of it and you figured it out and you had conviction in some of your moves. I think, um, you know, and Sheil and Ben Solek talk about this a lot on, um, on Philly special. I know Sheil wrote about this a lot in the run up to the Super Bowl last year that, you know, this is an organization that, and this is what every team will talk about, about what they want to do is that you want to be built for, uh, to win now and to win from now on. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles do that better than just about anybody. And, you know, they're, they're really smart with their finances. They're smart with their drafting. They've made some really good long-term decisions where they've set themselves up to win, obviously in 2022, I think they're in a really good position in 2023, but they're now set up, I think, to win for quite a while for whatever that next generation of Eagles football is going to look like. Totally agree. Is there anybody, I know this wasn't in the show notes, so I'm just going to completely freelance as a, uh, as, as somebody who just, I love it. Know, Let's is, go. is just an awful host. So anybody you think is going to be on this list in five years that is not on it now or not even consideration now, is there ownership sort Ooh. of infrastructure where you're saying, okay, a couple of years from now, we're going to be saying this team is without a doubt, a model franchise. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Buffalo, I mean, I kind of mentioned them really briefly as a team mm-hmm. that I had kind of in that next tier. I think they're kind of moving in that direction when we're talking about um, stability at a front office, stability at a coaching staff. You have the quarterback who hopefully he will continue to be transformative. Um, so I think they're kind of one of those teams that they they seem to be doing things the right way. So they're probably that team that I have in that tier. I'm not sure if I am. Now I'm trying to think. I, I have I have a couple of, of, first of all, I just realized this. How embarrassing is it that we didn't even think about the Giants? I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say that we didn't even talk about the Cowboys. Oh, I mean, come on. I mean, we know this. Listen, the Cowboys draft really well, and they win a lot. But we know the structural flaws to where we're not going to say that's a model organization. Well, the, the problem, I think, for the Giants, or the reason that we didn't talk about the Giants, too, is that they the probably only they only fit in one of those buckets. It's a different bucket for the Colts. I think for, for the Giants, I think when you say, like, oh, the Mara family, yeah. in terms of a family that has tremendous influence in the NFL, the stability, the way that other, uh, other owners look at the Mara family. But I think even the Maras right now would say, like, we haven't been. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been, yeah. it's been a while. I bet the Maras they... would say we're in the mix. <laughs> we're, we're still in the mix, but you know, I think they, their, their dip was big over the last decade. Um, and Agreed. you know, we were just talking about how the Eagles were able to kind of dig themselves out of a mistake pretty quickly. The giants fell into a pretty big rut and it's taken <laughs> them a really long time to climb out. Uh, Jeff Saturday disqualified Jim Irsay for the next decade, I would say. And a couple other of the mistakes as well. Carson Wentz is a through line. How you treated Carson Wentz is a through line to all of this stuff. Um, couple. All right. So let me throw out a couple of contenders. Number one, I know this is crazy, but it goes back to my old adage. Three types of owners know how to win and do win. Okay. Crafts, Rooney's, all that stuff. Uh, know how to win, but don't want to. 
you know who those some of those are or don't care nobody doesn't want to win but they're not going to spend the extra 10 million dollars they're not going to upgrade the facilities they're not going to uh re-sign the, the offensive coordinator if he's asking for too much money all that kind of stuff right okay that's the second group third group wants to win doesn't know how okay Two people I'd circle there as as or two franchises I'd circle with owners who want to, I think, from what I hear in the league, want to devote the resources, but it hasn't clicked yet. Number one would be Jacksonville. Okay. Uh, building a new stadium, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson. Don't love the Trent Balky thing, but I don't know. The other infrastructure seems to be in the mix. And we talked earlier about coaches bailing out GMs or owners bailing out GMs or quarterbacks bailing out coaches, whatever. Maybe Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are enough and Trent Belke does his drafting on a wingspan thing and, and, and it ends up working out, okay? Carolina is the other, okay? If they hit on Bryce Young and Frank Reich is the guy, we could be laughing at the early missteps of Frank Reich. Having said that, could have said that about Jimmy Haslam when he's just going burp, 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 and like Jimmy Haslam's just never going to get it. It's never going to get it. Um, Denver with Sean Payton, kind of what we were talking about. They want to spend the money. They have the resources. They have good people in place. Now that Sean Payton is there, he'll improve Russell Wilson. So that's kind of it for me as far as, as circling. I mean, I don't, I I don't, we'll see what happens with Miami and and Mike McDaniel. Um, but everybody else, I kind of know, know where they are. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think the the Broncos are interesting. Commanders, by the way, we, we have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, shoot. I mean, they're going to have a grown-up in charge. They're going to have a guy who wants to win, wants to invest, wants to put money into their stadium, get a new stadium, all the stuff that Dan Snyder was not able to do. Um, looking forward to that being done. And uh, Kevin Clark, call him about it, whenever that happens. Uh, no pressure. It's fine. Um, I don't tomorrow. think I have anybody else. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, can't wait the, to read it. I'm very much There's some teams it. where I'm just like, no, this isn't going to happen. You guys can fit. We'll do that in another episode. All right. Thank you to Richie Bozick for production up. Lindsay Jones back from the Dude Ranch. Talk to you soon, pal. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.